Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to be going through the Saints mailbag. I got a bunch of questions to start in here. First one, uh, thanks for the thanks for that, Tim. Uh, says, why is Derek not seeing when it comes to our wide receivers, or is this just growing pains? You know, I, I think, you know, he's talked a lot about this, and uh, I think there is some timing that they're trying to work out. And then early in the game, especially when, you know, you've seen in the first half of these games, the offensive line has not given him a lot of time to operate, gets a little happy feet. And then he's going a little too fast. Both he and Rashid Shaheed mentioned this. They were, I think everyone was going a little too fast in that first half. They were rushing things. They weren't being patient enough. And you saw the results. You know, there were some plays. There was a throw to Chris Olave that Chris was open. He, had, he was going out on a seven. And, it, you know, the ball just sailed. It just didn't get where it needed to go. And I think those are 
are the types of things that, you know, I think they are seeing the right things. They're just not always clicking. And I think later in the game, as you get a little bit more in tune, you, you get that. I think we took that for granted with Drew over the years that he always seemed on time and on target with these throws. And he understood where guys were supposed to be and, and what time they were going to be there. And, you know, for now, I think you just kind of have to you have to accept that it's not going to be perfect every week. But, you know, it's going to get better. And I think we'll hopefully see it get better with an improved run game, too, obviously. I agree. Um, here's one here that's scout with clout, scout without clout. It says it doesn't take a former offensive lineman to see Penning has unrefined footwork leverage, et cetera. See, and, and this is going back to the comment I made about, you know, yeah, like there's a lot of offensive line footworks experts on Twitter these days. And and I no, I agree with you. Like, I don't think like I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I can tell his footwork is unrefined and he's not doing everything perfectly. His leverage isn't right. He has his hips too far back over his, he, you know, he's on his heels and he's getting driven off the ball at times. He's not taking the right angles to to cut cut off these wide sets. You know, those are the things that he needs to work on. My issue is, there's a lot of people who are saying he doesn't have the ability to improve that footwork. Like they can see from these reps that he just is not, that he does not have the athleticism to be able to improve in that regard. And that's the part where it's like, you, you that's, that's nonsense. Like his athleticism is off the charts. He's got to get better. And so that's that's where I kind of come in with that, where it's like, like yeah, I, I think anyone can see in week one that he was struggling with his footwork, that things didn't look right, that he didn't look confident. But, you know, the, the culprits are what I want. I don't need people to tell me, he's like, he was bad. I, I know he was bad. But uh, pretending that you're that you know exactly what's going on in the guy's head, what he was supposed to be doing, where he was supposed to be, that's the part that it's like you talk to people on Twitter and they'll be like, no, 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 I called this play. What are you talking about? I've been coaching him all off season. I know what he is anyway. Uh, we, we just definitely need to see the, the offense being able to finish, uh, especially early on. It, to me, obviously, you look at the numbers from last game and just as a whole, the offense wasn't able to put the Panthers away and they should have been able to early on. Agreed. So Ransom Antoine here, this was an early question, so I, I don't know if he's still hanging around, but thank you for the question. It says, besides the offensive line, what do you think this offense is missing? And, you know, I think it's missing Alvin Kamara. <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, you know what, what I, again, and I, I was harping on this at halftime. If you follow me on Twitter, I think I sent out at least three or four tweets in all caps. Like you have to run the ball just because Alvin's not there. You lose Jamal Williams. You cannot sacrifice that part of the game plan and allow Brian Burns and Derek Brown. You can't allow these talented offensive linemen to pin their ears back and just constantly be coming at you. You need to slow them down in some way. And even if the run game isn't ripping off big gains and you have to trust Tony Jones Jr. who did not put the ball on the ground, kept it secure. You know, I think that's that's one of your concerns is that and then pass protection. I think he did an excellent job. It's one of the reasons he was one of my stock up players. But, you know, that you could not establish the ground game against the Titans. You could not establish the ground game in the first half against the Panthers. You were able to in the second half. And I think you what you saw is everything got a lot easier when you were able to keep defenses honest. And, you know, when you get Alvin back, that'll be a lot easier and you won't have as many questions about how many snaps you really want to give Tony Jones Jr. How much can you trust him with the playbook? You're going to get Alvin coming in hungry, coming in at a shot out of a cannon. To me, that's what the, that, that will make life so much easier on this offensive line uh, in general and on this offense in general. Yeah, we're, we're definitely missing the run game. And yeah, Alvin is definitely that. Uh, we saw a little bit of him in preseason game number one of the Chiefs, and I think he was averaging, what, over four yards a carry 
in that game. And we haven't seen that kind of output from any other running back on this team, though. This Rich Vital says Kareem Hunt would have been a perfect standing for Kamara. Jamal Williams is not the right style for this team. Well, so I disagree with the Jamal Williams is not the right style for this team because Jamal Williams paired with Alvin Kamara <laughs> makes a ton of sense. Jamal Williams as the RB1 is tough, and we've seen kind of the limitations there. I mean, Kareem Hunt never signed anywhere, right? So this idea that they should have gone and got him, clearly something happened in that physical with the Colts that has scared some teams off. So, you know, there's... That, you know, it's not like the, the, there's people like if they want them, they can still go get them. The, you know, the, there's uh, clearly some issues there. So I don't think it's a you know, I don't, I don't think he's on the table. No, and I, to me, I thought it was a, a money issue. Kim wanting whatever number that th- these teams aren't willing to, to pony up. No, because if that was the case, he would have signed with the Colts. There so was a physical issue. A, a health thing. Yeah. He would be signed somewhere if it wasn't a health thing. I guess we'll find out soon enough. The Browns might call him back up. Yeah, right. He should have stayed on the Browns. This would have been his year if he had stayed with the Browns. Is 9.92 RAS. You should never think the play is over, no matter what. Well, I I assure you that uh, every, like the the coaches are like Chris. This was one of the best catches I've ever seen. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> And it was so quick. What made it so worse for me and why I was that heavily invested, obviously because it's the Saints, but I have Olave on my fantasy team and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, so I, I tweeted the picture of him stepping on the sideline and you, you like I had at least seven replies of like, you know, the people showing me the score, how they lost by like, you know, 0.2 and like 0.6 because because that play got overturned because uh, either they had Derek Carr or Olave because Tony Jones ended up taking that touchdown. Um, yeah, that's. That's a, you know, that's if you want to be critical of Chris Olave, the sideline awareness there could be better. And uh, yeah, but uh, (laughs) don't spike the ball, man. Don't spike the ball unless you're in the end zone. (laughs) For whatever reason, obviously, he thought he was down. But even even if he was down and like, I think this is what the coaches are going to tell him. I'm pretty sure that if you had an officiating crew that was a little more, you know, in its own head, you could have flagged that for unsportsmanlike conduct. You're supposed to get up and hand the ball to the ref spiking it in the field of play you could say that's a delay a game or whatever like that's not what you're supposed to do so the refs didn't give him a flag there but they you know they probably could have and and you would really have no argument because it was a foolish thing to do it was just he was in it it's an incredible catch he made it guy you, you gotta you gotta be smarter than that um but yeah it's it was definitely not a not a great mo- it was a, an incredible moment by him followed by a, a, one of the dumber things I've, I've seen on a football field and we, what we said earlier on, too, the, the bounces right now are going our way. Let's keep it going that way, too. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that it bounced out of bounds, you know, like, uh, you know, good for good for him. <laughs> there was one more here from the same character. That is true. Uh, you know, I said that they taste him didn't break any runs. He technically did. And this this comment points that out with that last run he had. He went down. He probably could have scored, but he slid. He did the, you know, the team first thing. Which I was, I was rooting for him. He should have just gone in and scored. I think that would have been more fun. But yeah, he, he did the smart thing. He did the thing that's going to get praised in the film review right after Chris Olave gets gets raked over the coals a little bit for uh, you know, the, the boneheaded spike there. What's good is obviously it didn't hurt the Saints. Teachable moment. And I'm sure Olave won't do that again now. Yeah, and I'm sure Taysom will continue to do that. Because if you remember, if you go back to the Jets game 2021, I believe, that was one of his starts late in the game the Jets basically just allowed him to run for like a 
40, 50 yard touchdown. And it was like, he could have gone down and ended the game. And instead he just kind of kept running and scored a touchdown. And I think that's kind of like, I'm sure after that game, he heard about that and he was just like, yeah, okay, fine. You're right. And so now, you know, he, he kind of, it's, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing, but you know, you, you give him credit there, uh, for, for being aware of it. It's Tim Fabenro says the hope is to use Olave and Alvin in motion. And yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, when you get Alvin back, you're going to have a lot more options in your offense. No question about it. One more game. <laughs> Just kind of sitting here waiting. Like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. Uh, here's, a, here's one with Scout without clout that I think is a good, a good question is, you know, if Andy Dalton had started that game, would the result have been different? And I, I said this going into the season. If the Panthers were serious about winning this year, Andy Dalton would be their starting quarterback. And it has nothing to do with Bryce Young. It has everything to do with rookie quarterbacks are not ready to win right away. And they uh, decided to, to get Bryce Young the experience and get him out there. And, you know, he's going to get the trial by fire thing. But, you know, go through the history of the NFL. There are very, very slim number of quarterbacks that started immediately as a rookie and had immediate success. Even guys like Joe Burrow, who have had a ton of success. He struggled his rookie season and then he got hurt. Pat Mahomes didn't start as a rookie. Aaron Rodgers didn't start as a rookie. Tom Brady didn't start until the end of his rookie season. Eli Manning did not start until late into his rookie season. Peyton Manning started right away and had one of the worst rookie seasons you'll see from a guy who went on to be a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, Kyler Murray had a good rookie season. Probably a good example of someone who's like, yeah, he was good as a rookie. They still lost a ton of games, right? Anthony Richardson and the Colts are going to lose a ton of games this year. CJ Stroud and the Texans are going to lose a ton of games this year. It's just what happens. So I don't know if they win that game with Andy Dalton, but they have a better chance with Andy Dalton in there, especially with Andy knowing what he knows about the Saints defense. Um, I think they were, like I was way more concerned going into this year thinking Andy would be the starter. And then they put Bryce Young in there as the starter. And I immediately was like, okay, pencil in a win because it, it was always going to go that way. What was Carolina doing with those odd packages where they brought Dalton in for what, a handoff? I think they don't want to run Bryce Young on quarterback sneaks because <laughs> he's so small. I genuinely think that's what it is. They don't want to get hurt, it, which it, is it strange. Just, yeah, I was like, what's going on? Well, and so Deuce uh, on the broadcast made a really good point. So that first time they brought him in, there was a false start. And, you know, when you're, when you're an offensive lineman, you're going off the voice. You're going off the sound of the quarterback calling the snap count. And... Suddenly, after an entire game of hearing Bryce Young, you're hearing a different voice. And it's, you know, I think that that's probably what happened there. And they just got the cadence wrong and they, they false started. And instead of a, you know, fourth and goal or fourth and short, you add fourth and six. And they ended up, I believe, kicking a field goal. But yeah, that was that was strange because it's not like a Taysom Hill, you know, <laughs> like Andy Dalton. No one's going to accuse him of being a premier athlete at the quarterback position. Um, it was it was odd. Um, but that's the only thing that made sense to me is, you know, they Bryce Young is like 5'10". 190 pounds soaking wet uh, and you're just like yeah I don't want to I don't want to see him get crunched in the off in the in, in the line there that does make sense then if you if you're thinking about using him for the sneak for sure yeah uh, but then but then they didn't they he did he handed the ball off uh, so <laughs> maybe because it was like oh you think he's gonna sneak it and we're gonna try and be cute yeah it's like rock paper scissors where it's like I want to throw rock but he knows I like rocks 
So I'm going to throw scissors, but then it's like, damn it. And, you know, I overthought it because he threw paper. Anyway, no, that, that, that didn't work. But you, you get the idea. Yeah, I think you're yeah, – or the Princess Bride. Have you seen the Princess Bride? Oh, of course, yeah. Where he's talking about the wine and he was like, oh, but you knew that I would know that you were doing that. So obviously it's in your cup. But you knew that I was smarter than you. And so you thought that I would know that it's in my cup. So now it's in – anyway. And it was in both cups because they failed either way. You got it. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I think it's a good question because, again, you know, I think – if you're the Panthers and you you had serious idea that you're going to win this division, yeah, you would have gone with Andy Dalton to at least start the season, right? Like, I think that's if – if I'm a GM and you don't always have that luxury when you trade up to the number one pick and there's a lot of pressure to get this guy on the field right away. But I've always felt like – like the way the Giants did it with Eli, right? He was the number one overall pick, but they had Kurt Warner and they played Kurt Warner until the season was effectively over. Like until they, they really didn't have a chance and then they put him in there without pressure to get better, right? Without the, without the idea that me losing these games for my team is losing us this season. And, and I think that's not, that's not helpful to a quarterback's confidence. You're just teaching them to get comfortable losing. And I don't like it. Um, and I think, the, I think the Panthers are making a mistake. I was definitely, you know, when they made that announcement very early, too, that Bryce was, they were going with him to start the season. It was like, all right, then. I thought for sure, too, you get, you ease him into it and let Andy take over. And I was kind of worried facing Dalton on Monday Night Football, even though he is primetime Andy. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> here's another one from scout without clout we talked about that a Debo penalty he says that force fumble was a really odd call i didn't see the replay on the broadcast flag seemed really late I, I did see the replay i mean it was a hold i mean it was a bad a bad play by paulson i mean but it was a hold you know he, he gets kind of leaning the wrong way at the top of the route and just grabs him as he's trying to work his way back but that, again that's what's frustrating to me is if he's not trying to beat you over the top there's no excuse to hold there Right. Like if you're if you're trying to avoid what could be a 80 yard touchdown or whatever, then then, you know, you you hold or you do whatever you got to do. If he's working back to the quarterback and you're just trying to stop him from getting an eight to 10 yard gain, you got to let him do it. But but, you know, that was it was the right call. It was it was a bad hold. And that's why I'm a little critical of Paulson today. Yeah, in an unfortunate situation, obviously, when it occurs to in a in a prime time to get the ball back. Agreed. So Rich Vital brings this up. How about that ghost tackle by May? That was one of the more fascinating uh, uh, out-of-body moments I've seen in the NFL. Yeah, but see, to me, it's like I, I, I believe that he thought Bryce was going to slide. He didn't, and he didn't want to get flagged. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's what he would, that's what he would say. And I think, you know, the reason that happens is because – quarterbacks get all the protection in the world and even when they're runners you never know and yes I think that he expected Bryce to kind of take that last second slide or do something and it's like even like you can say that they're a runner and they don't get the protections he's 5'8 whatever you want to say he's tiny if Marcus May lights him up and puts him into the dirt he is getting a flack 100% he's also probably getting a $30,000 fine in the mail so I think all of those things are going on in Marcus May's head all at that moment, and he just freezes. He's like, how do I tackle this guy? I don't know how. How am I supposed to tackle this guy in a way that will not get me in trouble? Do I have a pillow that I can put down and lay him comfortably on? And he was like, oh, no, I left it at home. Crap, how am I supposed to tackle him now? And, yeah, so it, it's not a great moment by Marcus. But, again, it's like I, 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 there's that scenario a hundred times where you could see that tackle made and still get a flag so and then it's 15 yards on top of that and yeah it's definitely not not his 
brightest moment. But I actually think Marcus has played reasonably well um, this season. I think, you know, the, the back end of the defense has not been talked about a lot. And that's because it's been playing very well. And, you know, there's been nothing, there's really no explosive plays to speak of um, in either of these games. You know, the big question, you know, was a joke for a while. What is a catch? I don't even know anymore in the NFL. Well, you know what? You see tackles that are getting flagged. Well, penalties that coming out on just tackles that you it's a nice hit on a quarterback and and it's getting ridiculously called. So that to me in that scenario is what happened. I I was going through that process with Marcus May, too. So I felt it. Here's an uh, educated guess. Says, Carr made a lot of big passes last night. It was overshadowed by the interception and a lot of bad play calls in the red zone. The red zone passing routes are not disruptive. No flat route, flat route to that. I mean, I agree. Carr made some nice throws in the second half of that game. But, you know, even by his own admission, he was rushing things in the first half. He was not playing well. And that's where, you know, it's like there's, there's going to be a point where that's going to cost you a game. You know, because you're going to face better offenses. You're going to face more dynamic offenses at some point this season. I don't know when it's going to be. But, you know, the Falcons are going to want to run the ball down your throat. And can you can you win a game where they're controlling the ball? And can you get stuff going in the first half, right? You know, they're going to face a lot of solid defenses. And he's got to show up. And, you know, this is a team that expects to be in the postseason. You know, you, you, this is this. That's not you. You can't win a playoff game the way you won that game uh, yesterday. So you need to see that improve as the season goes on. And while I, you know, I think the criticism of Carr shouldn't be overshadowed by the fact that he made a dumb interception two weeks in a row, but it can't be ignored. I mean, that's the type of throw you can't make. That's the type of throw that can cost you a game. Things are going to get pretty ugly soon if the Saints don't get, uh, you know, more efficient with the offense getting into the end zone, especially when, once they do get and, you know, uh, red Zen, Zen territory. Uh, forget the criticism of Carr. There's going to be a lot of heat on Pete Carmichael, too, obviously. Agreed. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So we got a we got a compliment from Marco Hernandez, a sweet Super Bowl hat hanging up, Steve. And uh, you know, I got got a lot going on here with the with the pennant. And uh, a lot of these are free. There's a pennant I got from the Superdome. They gave it to me. The Dome Patrol poster I got from the Superdome. They gave it away. And I just put it on the wall. So yeah, the 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 uh, the uh, Mardi Gras beads that's from the Pelicans. Uh, the Funko Pop uh, is is mine, but the King Cake Baby is from the Pelicans. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I like to crowdsource my my swag. <laughs> King Cake Baby like wards off evil spirits too because they're they're frightened of him for sure. It's also broken. My dog knocked it down, or my cat knocked it down, so it's like super glued in there. It's not standing on its own two legs anymore. And that's actually so the thing it's in. So it's in the crown. It's standing in the crown. Let's see. Uh, and that's actually the crown from the Julius Randall bobblehead giveaway because I have all these bobbleheads, but my cats jump up on there and knock them off. So the Julius Randall one is in, it's in pieces, like it's gone. And so I took the King Cake Baby, which is also broken, and glued it inside the Julius Randall crown. And that's, that's where it is. Anyway, <laughs> I know every, everyone needed that information. All right. So last one. Key Deasley, that wasn't a nice throw, that 45-yarder to Shahid in the fourth quarter. It was an absolute laser beam, and it, it was. It was a nice throw, and it, Carr said it, and he's like, I rifled that ball. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a situation where it's like, can you overthrow a guy? Because I'm not sure you can overthrow Rashid Shahid. He's going to go get it. 
And it's really the only thing you can do wrong. And we saw this earlier in the offseason, right? Like earlier in camp, we saw, uh, I think it might have been Jameis and, and Derek may have had one of these, where it's like they were throwing deep to Shahid and he had to slow down and come back for it because they underestimated just how fast he was. And it's like all, and Bobby's talked about this. I can't remember who the player was, uh, but it was like, yeah, it's like, I, I, there's no timing there. I'm throwing it as far as I can because I know that the only thing I can do wrong is throw it to the point that he has to slow down. So that guy can catch up because I know that he can go get it and that guy can't. And so I think that's what Derek Carr did well on that throw is he didn't force Shahid to break stride at all. He forced Shahid to go faster and go get it. And he can. He has that extra gear. Um, and we've seen it two weeks in a row and I love it. Uh, that's that's a very you know, when you can force defenses to have to cover you deep late in a game when they think you're going to run, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, then you can actually run it. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it's it, that the, the connection there is fantastic um, and it's going to make things a lot easier. A little bit going a touch on the the down segment could have included maybe a Jawan Johnson just for the fact I thought he'd be involved a little bit more right now. But man, that lethal combo that that trio of Saints wide receivers is hell of impressive right now. Love and Olave, Shahid and Thomas. I think they're going to you know continue to do great things on the year. But the tight end spot, I guess, still a question. Uh, we saw Foster, you know, make some nice grab catches, yeah. But but Juwan, I, I thought would be involved a little more at this point. Uh, maybe it's a, a something that's still to come because there's certainly not for a lack of ability there from him. Well, what I'll say for the tight end position in general. Uh, so Juwan played 62 snaps in that game. He was on the field pretty much the entire game. Um, but he wasn't really targeted in the passing game. And I think what you're seeing these first two weeks is the offensive line is struggling. And so what do you do when the offensive line struggles? Well, you got to keep extra bodies in the block and you got to keep the tight ends in to help chip. And that limits what you can do splitting Juwan out in the passing game, having him line up in the slot and run downfield because it doesn't matter if he gets open downfield, if Derek Carr is on his back. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a big piece of what's happening with the tight end room right now. And the lack of production is you need their, you need them in to block. And so they're not running as many routes as you'd like them to. And when they are running routes, those are, those are the plays where Derek Carr is running for his life. So yeah, I think they'll get better, right? I think the, as the offensive line gets better, you can get a little bit more aggressive with the tight ends, but you know, that's, it's a position that when you need them to block, they got to block. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I don't, and, and that's why I don't want to put him in the down category. Cause I don't think he's doing anything tangibly wrong. I think that's just when your offensive line is struggling, that's the position that gets limited them, the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game. When your offensive line is struggling, it's going to, that's directly what it's taking away from is the ability to get downfield with your tight ends and your running backs. Totally makes sense when you mentioned, obviously, all the snaps he was involved in. I, I just wasn't sure because it seemed like he was just MIA uh, on Sunday, on Monday night. Sorry. No, he was there. Right. That's I, I, when I saw the snap counts this morning, I was stunned because I would have assumed that he was only in for like 30, 40 snaps. But no, he was in there basically the entire game. I think he had only uh, Chris Olave had more offensive snaps than him. Uh, independent of offensive linemen and quarterbacks who were on the field basically the entire game. And then Mike Thomas, 60 snaps, which I, to me, it's like, if you had any questions about their ideas of his durability right now, he's on there. He's out there 60 plays. And I think they only ran something like 82. Um, so it's like 90% of the snaps. And uh, so, yeah, um, I think both those guys, you know, they're part of, part of what they do well is block. 
And so that's why they're out there a lot. Yeah, see, that's that was something for Jawan, though, too, that was a knock on him getting that switch to tight end was his need to improve the blocking. So obviously they're confident that that's at least gotten to a point they can rely on him to, to hang yeah. back. So that's good. But yeah, I think there's there's going to be a game before long where we see that vintage Jawan Johnson. But to get there, you need the offensive line. Um, but all right, let's wrap this up. Been going for about 90 minutes here. I think we've gotten to a lot of good content. Thanks, everyone who dropped in a question. You know, I, we, I don't think we got to them all, but we got to a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everyone who, who's in here every week. I do enjoy doing these live chats. We need to start doing more of them. Hopefully, as the schedule kind of gets more normalized, we don't have a Monday night game the rest of the way. We have a couple Thursday night games. That's going to be kind of weird. But hopefully, we can start doing a more regular live chat. Um, yeah, what's up, Steve? They're not doing uh, flexing Monday night games this year, huh? Or are they? I don't think they're flexing Monday night games, but they're flexing Sundays. Yeah. So, like, theoretically, the Saints could get flexed into a Sunday spot. But the way they're played, the, the way these games have gone, I don't think anyone's clamoring to get them on national television uh, with these kind of rock fight games. I, I think I've mentioned it before. We've talked about it definitely, though, at some point. That last game of the season against Atlanta could very well be. You never know what could happen. Yeah, NFC South on the line. They, they might be attracted to that. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now it's, uh, you know, going to be a 15 and one team against a, or a 16 and 0 team. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, the NFC is going to win the, the first game. The strength of the NFC, like everyone saw it. Yep, everyone saw it coming. Three two and zero teams in the NFC South, and Baker Mayfield's Bucks are one of them. <laughs> the only the only team that isn't hasn't won a game is the team with the number one overall pick. Tanking works. Anyway. So you know, well, this week coming up, obviously Sunday headed to Green Bay, and then boom, it'll be back to see those Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Baker. In the Dome! In the Dome! I haven't, it feels like I haven't been in the Dome in a month, because I wasn't out there for week one, and it, like the last time I was out there was the Texans game. <laughs> it's been a while. But alright, let's wrap this up. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Check out WWL.com for the latest Saints content, news, notes, and analysis. We've got a three up, three down, which we went through on this show. So if you want to go check out the text version of that with all the write-ups, it's on WWL.com. we got Bobby Bear's rant up there if you want to check it out. And, you know, as always, just thanks, everyone, for listening. You know, if you have anyone who's looking for a Saints podcast, send it along. That's all we ask. We don't charge for this podcast. All I ask is you to be like, hey, you like the Saints. Why don't you listen to this, right? I think, you know, I don't, I don't think it's asking too much, right? I think that's fair, right, Steve? I would definitely recommend it highly. We are here to bring you the latest and greatest from a team. It was a rough go to start last year, but at least we're, you know, getting into the more positive flow this season. It already feels so much different. God, it's just, it's so nice to talk about a team that won a couple of games. Actually, yeah, last year was a slog the whole way, but, but all right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. <laughs>